He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock, and he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead, Deceiva. Oh. And the Hello, and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? My name is Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield, and we are both pissed off, sad, angry, however you want to put it. We are there. <laughs> we are right there, Chris. It is 1120 right now on Wednesday night. Louisville, about 45 minutes ago, fell to the Pitt Panthers the first time in since 2010 that Louisville's lost a pit and uh, I'm feeling pretty down Chris it was not a great performance from the cards yeah I mean it, it's a good time to record a podcast honestly because I feel like <laughs> I could be up for the next three hours um yeah man I'm I was telling you before we kind of got started I'm fucking pissed off honestly um because yeah. that's that's a game that I think Louisville had better players than Pittsburgh I think it was a tough environment but I think Louisville should have won the game. They were clearly the better team. That's a team that hasn't won an ACC game in over a calendar year. Yeah, 24 so, games. 24 yeah. games. So two calendar years, I, I guess. They're close to it. Um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I'll let you go first if you just want to give your general opinion. Because No, I, I just yeah. – <laughs> I think I think it goes back, Chris, to what we've talked about all season long. We've talked about who's going to step up for this team. Jordan Wara has been the guy who steps up for this team game in and game out. And tonight he did not do that. He was one of seven from two point. He was one of seven from three. Uh, it was, you know, two of 14 from the field is not going to do it for Jordan Wara. And Louisville was just left really struggling on offense. Uh, defense wasn't great either. Uh, We'll talk about that. I'm sure um, it just there wasn't a real outside of Christian Cunningham, you know, put up 23 points. I mean, Dwayne Sutton, 12 points. Yeah, uh, make some what, big plays on the stretch. 11 rebounds. Huge, huge game from Dwayne Sutton. But outside of that, this team just didn't have it. And it's a shock. I mean, it legitimately is a shock that it was close because Pittsburgh should have run away with this. I mean, they were 16 of 33 from the line. Yeah. How many free throws? Um, Yeah. I think Jordan Noir is kind of due for a game where he gets a pass. Um, So I don't think any one of us would pin the loss on him or anything like that. But yeah, that's that's the reality of what we have said with this team having thin margins. And, you know, we saw a bad Jordan Noir game. We probably won't see that for a while. But there are a few things that happen in that game. And particularly one we kind of we talked about a little bit before we, we got started was. They scouted Louisville terrifically, um, and they started really going after Stephen Enoch on defense in different yeah. situations. They were getting him moving, um, and he's not the quickest guy with his feet, and it's not really you know an Enoch issue. It's something that you need to scheme against, and I don't think Louisville did a good job of that. There were four straight possessions that – they, you know, they brought Stephen Enoch to the high post, got him moving, and the guy he was guarding was quicker than him, and he got to the basket. They went yeah. back door a lot of times on that, um, and you didn't really see Louisville make an adjustment until they put Nuora underneath the goal. But at that time, Jordan Nuora had four fouls, so not really sure I understand that logic either. I don't know if they were trying to hide him or what, but that was that was something that really stuck out to me. 
Yeah, it's and and those possessions they led to easy baskets. I remember Jordan Nora like going up, uh, trying to block a shot and just hitting the rim because he knew he couldn't hack the guy. Yeah. And it there were several possessions like that, and it just seemed there wasn't the defensive intensity uh, that that we expect from a Louisville team in general and from this team. I think yeah. this there were times where they played great defense down the stretch. I, I don't want to take it away from them, and I do want to give Chris Mack credit because I think the switch to the one three one zone, you know, through Pittsburgh for a loop and helped Louisville kind of stay in the game. Um, along a few times this season. Absolutely. And, and, and I, I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen some comments that, that Chris Mack, you know, was completely outcoached, you know, I, I don't buy that fully. I think he made some mistakes, yeah. but I don't, I don't necessarily think that this was a, a, a whooping on that end. No, I mean, there's going to be games where Chris Mack is going to make mistakes. Yes, I mean, there's of plenty of games of where Rick Pitino made mistakes and damn near every Louisville fan warranted firing through every December. I mean, let us not forget. So I think the biggest positive that you can take away from that game is the 17, <laughs> 17 to two run to end to end the, the, you know, the second half yeah. uh, in the waning moments of a game. But the real issue for Louisville is now is there are serious questions about them making the NCAA tournament. Um, Cause even if you split with Pitt, you, you would think Louisville wins the home game. They're going to have to still win, or they're going to have to be pretty much flawless through here out. They're going to have to go to Syracuse and win. They're going to have to win both Boston college games. And that's, that's an improved Boston college team. So I think that's, that's really the big, you know, the big thing that a lot of little fans are realizing and should be upset about what we're upset about, I would think. So. Absolutely. It, 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 you know, we've talked a lot about expectations for this team. I think the expectation is still the tournament. And can this happen? You know, we've talked we've talked a lot about February. I'm looking at February right now. At Ken Palm and now Louisville is only projected to win. Well, I, I imagine they were before only projected to win two games in the month of February <laughs> at home against Clemson. Uh, <laughs> Um, and away at Boston College at the end of the month. So, and and of the other games, you know, North Carolina at home, Virginia Tech away, Duke home, uh, Syracuse away, Louisville isn't, there's not a percentage chance of them winning over 33%. Can this really killed Louisville and the Ken Palm? I imagine that, you know, like you said, you've got to win that away Syracuse game. You've got to win one of those games. And I expected, don't get me wrong, Chris, I expected this team to drop a game or two that we did not expect. Mm -hmm. I just didn't expect it to be Pittsburgh. I expected it to maybe be North Carolina State at home that I thought that they really could pull it off. I thought maybe it'd be, you know, a, a Wake Forest team away that sometimes has given Louisville trouble in the past, you know, even though they're garbage this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, maybe that's not a good example. I, yeah, I, I've, go no, I, I'm with you. I, I've worried about that, that Boston College game. That's kind of one I've circled in my head um, because I think that's an improved, improved team. But yeah, exactly. I certainly didn't expect Louisville to, you know, to lose this game. I think, you know, some aspects, there were some moments where I felt like Louisville was just kind of soft. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if you feel that way. I, I think so too. I think I think this team has a tendency when things aren't going well to become a jump shooting team. 
And that works. That's worked for them in the past, I think. And maybe that's why the tendency is there. But I mean, we talked so we talked so highly about Malik Williams all week. You know, we talked about him last podcast and he comes in and he gets the start and he starts going opposite of what what was so successful for him against Miami. He in the Miami game, he started inside. He worked inside and then he worked his way out. Once he got some groove, he you know tried an outside shot immediately. I believe his first shot was a long like 18 foot shot well, like fadeaway and it's, it's, what what is that shot you know you don't practice that shot as Patrick Ewing would say yeah I think his I think his first shot was the the uh the first play of the game was the dunk actually okay, um, yeah, because yeah. I yeah I kind of noted that in my head I thought it was interesting that Chris Mack you know made a concerted effort to go right you know to get him the ball right out of the gate so that was obviously Mac wanted to see that same, you know, that right. same aggression and that same style. And he, yeah, he right. totally drifted away from that. And there's just, you know, we're going to do this dance probably all, all season with Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch, because you have a guy that is probably a better defender on one end, but then you have Malik Williams and Stephen Enoch who are probably, excuse me, they're probably even offensively. So it's going to be back and forth, I think, for the rest of the season with them, too. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely some bad luck involved here. I mean, Louisville shot. You know, they shot seven of 28 from three, you know, 25 percent. They they're averaging 34.9 percent on the year. Uh, and then Pittsburgh just has a hell of a performance. And we just got to give it to Trey McGowan's, you know, a freshman, the best guy, you know, the best young guy on the team who just decided to drop drop 33 points on them tonight. Yeah. I, I I don't believe he's been particularly great this season. They haven't uh, been really a great three pointing shooting team they've been slightly above average so i mean that's that definitely is something to note for sure and we can say you know the problem with this is we can say whatever we want about you know uh louisville didn't shoot and all this but it doesn't hurt it doesn't help at the end of the day this is a pittsburgh team that lost at home to niagara people yeah. niagara's 297th in the ken palm like it's this is a, bad, a bad loss. Rest. There's yeah. There's no way. There's to no way it. around it. So don't. I, I, that's why you should be upset. And I, yes. the, the mantra that this was a different fan base after the Indiana game than it should be today, because this is a team that you can have expectations for, and you can say this pissed me off, and you know we should be better than this, and that's okay. That's fine. It's you should be. Yeah, we talked we talked after the Kentucky game about toughness and we talked about these next two games being really important to just get this team on track. And there were warning signs against Miami. I mean, they they came out and they looked flat against Miami. They looked lazy and they turned it on. And that's just they tried doing that again against Pittsburgh and it just didn't work. And it's not going to work for the rest of the season. So, you know, you've got. You, you've got you know a little over seventy two hours, and so you've got to play North Carolina um, at the Dean Dome on Saturday at noon. That's you're not gonna, winning that game. You're not winning that game. You're not winning that game. I'll be floored if they win that game. Um, but I think Chris Mack is in a, in a more than a spot of trouble. It's the the water. The water is a, a little below the knees 
if you ask yeah. me. Yeah, uh, just, I don't either. You can you can keep walking and, and get sucked in by the riptide or you can start to crawl your way out. Um, but something's got to happen quick. And I mean, it's not going to happen. I mean, let's be real. Like we said, it's not going to happen against North, against North Carolina. But this team it can't lose again until February after, yeah. after that North Carolina game, you've got to win every single game in January for, for us to really feel good. I mean, a, a win, the biggest game of those is at home against North Carolina state on um, January the 24th, Thursday night. That'll be a nice one. That'll be a good win to have, but you've got to win, you know, at home against Boston college away at Georgia tech at home against NC state at home against Pittsburgh. I, I don't see us losing that one for sure. And then at wake forest, and then you host North Carolina and you can come in with a five game win streak and feel good about, okay, we're coming into February, hopefully playing some of the best basketball we've got. If they don't, if they, I expect them to lose on Saturday as we, as we're saying, if they lose another game in January, I they feel really bad about February. I just, yeah. I just, I, I, I don't see them. I don't, I don't see things going well if they can't take care of that five game stretch. I just think, yeah, two more minutes on this. Cause I know there's a lot of else we want to talk about, but I think something that's been happening with this team throughout the season, you mentioned it when you talked about the Miami game is the intensity switch has not been getting met. I think Pittsburgh had a, better intensity today than Louisville did. Right. I think that that was the case against Robert Morris. I think that was the case in the Kentucky game. I think that was the case in the Miami game for a good portion of it. And right. that's something I didn't expect to see with a Chris Mack coach team. And I think that's something that'll change once he gets kind of his guys in. But that's, that's a little troubling, um, especially when these guys have to know, you know, their margins are thin as far as making the NCAA tournament. And I think that's the biggest concern going forward is that. And I think people also should realize that Chris Mack is doing a lot of this on the fly because the way this team is playing is not the way he wants to play. Right. They're, they're doing defensively. They're doing different things. He would prefer to stay in pack land, pack line a lot more, but he's not been able to do that because his bigs have been not really switching properly. Um, <laughs> So there's been a few different things that to keep in mind, but yeah, the intensity thing is the thing that has troubled me the most. And the thing that troubled me the most today. I, and, and to go alongside that intensity, I, there's one stat that I think will really underline that, you know, today against Pittsburgh, 18 turnovers against Miami, 13 turnovers against against Kentucky, only eight turnovers. Um, and, and then against Robert Morris, 10 turnovers. It, it's it, their average on the season. I think, I believe it's 10 or 11, excuse me. Yep. And it just, it feels like they. Defense is about hard work and it's about intensity. And it just about, feels like they're, it yep. just feels like they're not being intense, both on offense and defense, but turnovers for me is something that's kind of grown over time and growing to become a problem is what I'm trying to highlight here. And it's over the past two games, it's been an issue. I don't think they, t- they didn't turn the ball over once in the second half of Miami. So all of those turnovers were in the first half. And it's just, Oh gosh. Yeah. You're also seeing teams. Uh, we saw it, I think first against Kentucky, but you're seeing teams apply that token, uh, you know, pressure defense. A yeah, lot that forward fake a press. yeah. And we saw that a lot against Pittsburgh. I think Kentucky was really the first team that kind of introduced it. Uh, none of these guys have Ash and Hagen, so it doesn't really work as well for them, but 
uh, that's something you're going to continue to see. Uh, yeah, and if it's, if it's pretty lackadaisical in the passing lanes, and that's that's a product of why you're seeing that problem. And if it works for Pittsburgh, it's going to work for North Carolina. It's going to work yep. for Virginia Tech. It's going to work for you. Better believe it's going to work for Duke and Virginia. So yep. that's not going away anytime soon. Um, so yeah, as we said, we wanted to talk about a, little, a lot of other things. We can shift. <laughs> we had to talk about this for 15 minutes. Um, I'm sure, you know, you know, bless up prayers up. Hopefully it's not an issue uh, or it, it becomes less of an issue going forward. And hopefully Chris Mack figures it out, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there when we get there, I guess. Good luck on Saturday cards. Uh, but Chris, as you said, we want to talk about other things. You know, one thing we've said about this podcast is we want to take a lot of opportunities to talk about non-sports things. Uh, so we will not be sticking to sports. I had a friend joke with me. Are you sticking to sports? I said, no, we are not. This, this is an opportunity with that motto. Actually. Stick to sports that we are not doing. Um, and we're going to have, I think, kind of our, our plan is we're going to have episodes here and there. that are just going to be non-sports related things with the loss tonight. We, we knew we had to talk about it. Um, so if that's not your vibe, that's not your vibe, but we're going to have these like specific related shows that are not related to sports. And with that, we felt like we had to jump right in into what I think Chris and I feel is one of the more interesting things going on in Louisville and Kentucky in this year and something I'm sure we'll be talking a lot about. And that is the governor's race in 2019. It's always so weird to say 2019. It's not an even year and we've got a governor's race. But nonetheless, there's a lot going on in the Democratic side. We still have a little bit of you know, confusion in the Republicans. We could talk about it. Um, but Chris and I, you know, really interested in what's going on this Democratic side earlier this week. Adam Edelin, I um, believe he was the state auditor in past life and uh, a, a good friend of our good friend, uh, Matt Jones. <laughs> uh, he is running for governor in the Democratic ticket. Um, his running mate is Jill Holland. If you're from Louisville, you probably know him as the mayor of Nulu, who has kind of run the Nulu revitalization. We'll touch on that. That's one um, way to put it. That's one way to put it. We'll, t- we'll touch on it. Um, but yeah, so Chris, where, where, where do we start here? Where, what are your thoughts on Edelin and then the other two candidates, of course, um, uh, Bashir, Andy Bashir, Steve Bashir's son, and then Rocky Atkins out of Eastern Kentucky? Uh, I think we, what, go ahead. I think we can just kind of start with a question, and that's what percentage would you put on Matt Bevin getting reelected today? This is assuming Matt Bevin runs, and I still think there's a very like non-zero yeah. chance that he's not the nominee. If Matt Bevin w- runs, I would probably put it at sixty forty. Okay. Just be, I think I think in this department that, um, especially when it comes to. Democrats in Kentucky that they tend to be uninteresting. That's why I think that's why we're talking about Edelin and we're talking because I think he's really interesting. And, you know, we'll touch on some of the points here in a minute. But he came out with a platform instantly that is light years ahead of what any Democrat has had in my personal. I mean, my history of what I've seen statewide. Um, So. Yeah, 60 percent, just because I think Democrats tend to shoot themselves in the foot, both nationally and I think in Kentucky. And I could 
especially if these three guys and really kind of take share from each other, it just seems like the wrong guy. There's a very, very good chance the wrong guy gets nominated and it's a very uninteresting race and Bevin could run away with it. Yeah. I think, if, I think if Bashir is nominated, I would say 70, 30, right. to be quite honest with you, because uh, we, we mentioned it. I think he's Jack Conway made over. I think he would, Failed to control the message. I think he would not connect to Royal Kentucky or Western Kentucky, and I think he would lose by a few percentage points, pretty solidly, honestly. Um, so, if that's the case, I would put it seventy thirty, probably. Um, I would probably be flipped. I would actually probably be forty sixty, just because I think these two guys. I think Rocky Atkins is an exciting candidate, and I think Adam Edelman is a very exciting candidate and i think the 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 thing that resonates most with me is the environmental the environmental um cell if you will i think the message to coal uh coal miners in eastern kentucky can resonate if it's presented well if it's we can employ give you another opportunity of employment and i think that's something that has to be controlled and it has to be delivered in the right way but i think that's something that can work no, I think you're absolutely right. And that's one thing that Edelin really talked a lot about. And uh, Atkins, of course, it's in his DNA. He's from Eastern Kentucky. If you don't know the background at Atkins, he was the Senate minority leader uh, for the Democrats. He played for Moorhead State uh, basketball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, so that's the thing about him. He's like a retired Jersey. They made the tournament. I think they won one game when he played. So we have and, the, we have the Matt Jones school and then we have <laughs> both of those can actually, you know, win those guys some votes though. It's no, no, you're right. And I think it's, it's funny and interesting and just gets back to how freaking important basketball is to this state. But nonetheless, that, that's you know, hilarious. Yeah. you've got the Eastern Kentucky thing on Atkins. Um, and I've talked to some guys who are from Eastern Kentucky who said he's a god out there, like straight up, quote, he's a god out there to a lot of people, a lot of people who feel like they haven't been heard from in a long time, which is really interesting when you use that kind of language. And then Edelin says he's got this whole thing going on with solar farms, converting coal mines to solar farms, mm-hmm. which he kind of was really cryptic about in his opening speeches, but seems like this is something that's going to be a very big foundation for him going forward and like you know we talked a little bit before we started recording those guys out in eastern kentucky are just they're begging for something they're begging for jobs they're begging for something to hold on to to make their way of life um, work better and obviously the coal industry isn't gonna isn't coming back we can talk about that that's an hour and a half long podcast so we won't do it but it seems like those two candidates have a more concrete plan for the coal industry and where to move forward from there, where Bashir, I mean, and, and also I just, I think also Kentucky voters in general are v- from the outside of Louisville, Lexington, they're, they're or so. right. But, but outside of those areas, they're really interested in what's going on with the coal miners. What do the coal miners think? Who's going to help right. the coal miners? Even if they don't know anyone or anyone's cousin, who's a coal miner, they care about the coal miners. So I think those candidates having legitimate options, legitimate opportunities and being able to lay out a plan that helps those guys will go a long way for those two candidates. Yeah, I've been pretty hip to the the co-mine to solar farm thing for a little bit now because I, I thought that was an avenue that Democrats and Kentucky and Western West Virginia could attack. Um, and I was curious when there would be one that did it. 
Um, so that, that's why the whole thing kind of like resonated with me when he just said that. And I'm just like, yeah, you literally are the favorite to have my vote right now, because that's something that I've, it's, it's a costly thing, um, initially and it's, it's difficult, but it can work and it can employ more people than, you know, obviously the co-industry in Kentucky can pull right now, but this quote, I'm going to read this quote from Rocky Atkins and you tell me if this sounds like a Republican or a Democrat. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I've been encouraged by everyday people from Pikeville to Paducah to run for governor. They want a governor who can bring back respect and dignity to the governor's office. They want someone who knows and understands Kentucky and who is Kentucky. I mean, that sounds like a Republican. That, oh, yeah. I just I'm, I'm trying like not to say it. But yeah, no, it does. <laughs> no, and I mean, if that's that's the way you you've got to you've got to craft your message in a different way. I think Democrats have to be in this election. I think they have to be creative. Um, I think you have to connect to everyday working people in Kentucky to win an election, a governor's election in Kentucky. I just think that's the fact of the matter in 2019. And I don't think they've done a good job with that. And I think that's why Steve Bashir is such a terrible candidate. I think that would be a nightmare scenario for the Democratic Party. And I think this losing this election would honestly kind of be a nightmare scenario for the Democratic Party. Um, but yeah, I just I found that quote interesting because I think Eastern Kentucky is going to be it always is. But I think I think this is going to be some strong efforts by Democrats in particular to go after those voters and just saying, hey, let me win Lexington and Louisville by wide margins and let me do well in Western Kentucky and we'll see what happens. They're really going to make a solid attempt at winning over some of these these counties in Eastern Kentucky. And I find that really interesting. No, I, I think I think it's something that people haven't done as well in the past. And and to follow up on what you say about excitement, it's I you know, I, you're, you're speaking my language there. And I've had conversations with people where I've said, Hey, you know, looking at 2018, who are the candidates that are, you know, the, the democratic candidates, not even necessarily, you know, some progressive people, but the people who are succeeding in red States, um, your Beto O'Rourke's, uh, your, um, Abrams and, and Georgia and Gillum, you know, they all lost, but they were exciting. They they succeeded in in red states. They, despite they, were, water, they were watershed moments for the. Democrats. They were watershed moments, and they and that felt to me like it was the it was the blueprint for how a candidate in Kentucky has to run in terms of popular in terms of personality and engagement. They have to engage, like you said, connect with regular people. They have to be the type of person uh, that a person that a random person in Kentucky is going to want to go see speak, you know, two, three, four, five times. Like people were going to speak for these guys. They need to, they need to be a candidate that people want to volunteer for. You know, that's one thing that you're saying they have to be Chris Mack. They have to be Chris Mack. Chris, they have to be Chris that's, Mack. that's what you're saying, though. They have to be a guy that you want to go get a drink with, that you want to hang out with, that you look forward to being with. They can't smell like Frankfurt. That's what I I, <laughs> I talked a lot about, you know, on Twitter um, in the lead up and 
I'm I'm still kind of skeptical of Edelin on this bit. You know, he's he's got Frankfurt experience, so is Atkins, but they just can't smell like Frankfurt. They can't, and and Andy Brashear reeks of Frankfurt, so that's yeah. why that guy does not have my vote. These these candidates, they have to connect with people, and I was honestly even a little disappointed in Edelin that I couldn't find a stream to his announcement. Yeah. I was like, oh, why can't I find this? I'm having to follow it on Twitter because These are like, unacceptable things too. Those are, I, 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 so go unacceptable. His, I go to his website and there's a the day he announces his governor race and there's a video covering up the whole website and you can't get out of the video to read about this platform. And I'm like, you cannot do this. No, it's, you have to. So you're not going to win in Kentucky connecting with younger voters. You're just not going to have the numbers. It's a thing you need to do. Democrats need to win that, obviously, to win, but they're not going to win election because of that. So that makes it less important. But still, that's that's absolutely unacceptable. Yeah, it's it doesn't make any sense. And I was like, man, just where's the where's your Instagram account? Like, where's your <laughs> where you know they I'm I'm on Needle Insight right now. He's got an Instagram account. He has a Snapchat account, by the way. He has a YouTube, so maybe he's a little more ahead of that than in general. But it's like, man, like that's it's going to take a 21st century campaign for for one of these guys to win. And I, that's my biggest concern is that they can't do it. So we yeah. had, go ahead. We had LeBron wearing the Beto hat. Can we get Donovan Mitchell to wear <laughs> a Adam Elon hat or a Rocky Atkins hat. or a Rocky Atkins? That just if it just says Rocky no, on no, it, no, no, no. it, you know who it has to be. You're you're not looking in the right place. You know who it has to be. Matt Jones. No, <laughs> close, close. Has I don't be- know. It has to be John Calipari. Oh, God. It yeah. has to be John Calipari, and you know it. John Calipari <laughs> endorses the Democrat, and they win by 10%. Well. <laughs> Dude, the Kraft family, if you if you don't follow me, the Kraft family donates a lot of money to Kentucky. Um, I forget what her name is, uh, is the is the ambassador to Canada. Uh, in the current administration and uh, she's a big Kentucky donor. So I don't see that happening for uh, Calipari. I don't see him supporting a Democrat in this state because he wants them checks to, to fund the program. You think he's a Democrat or Republican? Oh, he's a Democrat. No. And he's already, he kind of has already said it, hasn't he? Uh, Yeah. I can't remember. There was an article a few uh, years back that the courier did. Well, this is probably more than a few. It was like about the flag. Wasn't it? There was like something about the flag that he like, Oh, it was about Eric Crawford was still employed by them at the time, and they did all the the uh, Ribatino was a Republican, was a Democrat. Bobby Petrino, this was Bobby Petrino 1.0. Uh, he was obviously Republican. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and yeah, I think I think Cal was Democrat, but I can't remember. No, um, Cal's I, Cal's definitely a Democrat, and then it's also it's like one of those things like Cal's a Democrat, and then Nick Saban is a Democrat, and that's it's hilarious. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, if John Calipari wants to jump on board against the Matt Devon train, but you know, like I said, I think I, I, I would almost put it like it's not 50, 50, but it almost seems like 60, 40, he's going to run. Like there's just that chance that Trump calls up Bevins like, Oh, come be the, co- the commerce secretary is what I've seen on Twitter. It's like, Oh, maybe he'll be commerce secretary. And you know, Bevin takes that. Bevin takes that in a heartbeat. Yeah. 
really, we've joked about it before, but I think there's like an 80% chance that Matt Bevan has an autographed Donald Trump picture hanging up somewhere no. in his office or house. Oh, no, no. It's not. I, I would. Do we want to talk about the, you know, the running mate thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that before. Go ahead. Um, let me pull up this. Actually, let's let's talk about we can go back to that in just a second. But can we we obviously know that, you know, casino gaming is going to be a pretty like hot topic. Yeah. Do you think that and medical and, marijuana? Yeah. And medical marijuana. Yeah, I think that would be a, not as hot, but I think casino game would be a hot thing. And do you think that a Democrat can, you know, publicly say I support casino gaming and, you know, get enough votes to win? Yes, I think so. I almost think it's required because you're not going to get the young support. You're not going to get the exciting young support in Louisville and Lexington without it. Hell, you probably wouldn't. You probably could get you could sneak some. That's like the other thing is the the suburbs in the suburbs in Cincinnati, you know, or outside of Cincinnati that are on the Kentucky side. Those like line up perfectly for the type of gains, you know, the the type of leaning towards Democrats that's happened nationwide. And it didn't. And like it's those areas are probably for a especially if Matt Bevan runs and you just kind of paint it's like oh you really want this dude to represent you you know to all of these college educated people who work in Lexington and live in northern Kentucky it's like oh you really want this guy to be your representative why don't you we do a smarter smarter thing and kind of play it that way I'm just kind of curious if like Democrats can craft that message Uh, you know a lot of Kentucky voters a lot of voters in general vote with their pocketbook so I'm just curious if he can Kind of craft that mas- message to say, hey, these guys are just going across a bridge. They're, they're doing it oh, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And oh, just, yeah. you know, put it pretty plainly. Um, and I think and it goes back to eastern Kentucky because West Virginia has casinos now. Yeah. That's, so that's a really good point. Yeah. So West Virginia, Ohio and Indiana all have casinos. So there's like, you know, all of those counties that are nearby. Like, we know you guys are going. Yeah. Like, let's not pretend like let's keep that money in town. And it's it's never been a question for me. And obviously, I hope it's just as plainly as that, though. I think it just needs to be on record and said. No, 100 percent. And I think, like I said, it. I, I think to get some kind of the the person to get to is like personable and exciting for younger people and working class people says that plainly sends that sends that in a in a very you know kind of matter of fact way it's like we're doing this because we're losing money every day and this is how much money we're losing every day and i don't want to lose that money anymore and i don't think you do either yeah and on that on that note i have this facebook post pulled up this is uh stan cave he is he is the Family Foundation attorney, and he is good buddies with Ernie Fletcher. He represents him in some capacity. I think he was his chief of staff. I chief of staff. Chief. Okay, gotcha. So he he made a Facebook post recently that kind of raised an interesting question, at least in my mind. And it, I'll just read it verbatim to kind of get it out there. It says, "The fouling deadline for governor is January 29th. Matt Bevin is not fouled and has not announced a running mate, which there are legitimate questions about if he is going to run." Um, could it be that he can't find a running mate who agrees with this unleashing a hundred million dollar casino within six miles of Fort Campbell to prey on our military families, <laughs> which yes, hilarious. Um, and who would be willing to lie to the religious leaders of Kentucky about opposed expanding gambling? You just never know. Um, 
I think there is an interesting question that if Matt Bevin can find a running mate, I, I think that's hilarious, but I don't think it would be because, you know, any his stance on any type of gaming thing, because I think the majority people in Kentucky probably are for casino gaming. I continue to think that. But I do think it's a legitimate question. Uh, if something's holding him back from, you know, running, if it's not the Trump thing, could it possibly be something like that? <laughs> I think so. And I think I mean, I just think he's generally he's he's super unpopular. He has to know how unpopular he is. I don't think I don't think he's dumb. I just think he is really stubborn. And I think he has to realize how unpopular he is. And I do think that the comparisons, you know, this is this another hour long podcast. The comparisons of Bevan to Trump aren't that crazy because I think Bevin does a lot of the types of bombastic type things that Trump does just in a smarter way, almost, yeah. you know, the, the videos and the attacking of the press, the, um, you know, the, the kind of going straight to the, the quote unquote, straight to the source. He does those YouTube videos. I mean, if you want like going back to the digital stuff, if you want an example of who's doing digital right in Kentucky politics is quite honestly, Matt Bevin, because yeah. the tweets and the, the, it works, man. And people pay attention. I- I do think Trump does a better job of igniting his base. Right. Um, but I think there are a lot of times when right. Trump's that that's probably Trump's right. best attribute as a politician. Yeah. But, yeah. Bones about that. but I, I definitely can see what you're saying. Yeah. No. And I think he's just super unpopular. And just like Trump is having a hard time, he has a hard time trying to find people who work for him. I think Bevin is running into that, too. I think Bevin is, um, you know, a lot of there's a lot of guys who are sort of Bevin's age who are Republican kind of up and comers. And I don't think any of them want to hitch their wagon to him. He's like Bobby Petrino. Yeah, no, it's the ex- <laughs> this is exactly right. Why would you if you're a young up and coming Republican, dude, why would you want to run with Matt Bevin when yeah. you know that he's literally like literally now the most unpopular governor in America? Yeah. Why would you want that under your belt? So I can't I can't imagine that he's that he's having an easy time finding people that want to work for him not only in a potential campaign, but like who would be his running mate, who would be the people that he would bring into his administration. They've had some turmoil there. Um, they've lost some cabinet members and had some people move to different directions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, this post, it looks like James Comer says he's ready to run. I've heard how Heiner's interested in running. Oh, boy. Um, so the, the boys, the boys are ready to hop on. And that's why I think, um, you know, if Bevin doesn't run, then this thing gets dicey quick. And yeah, that's he's, that's where things get fun. Just had so many ridiculous headlines. I mean, particularly from mobile media, there's there's literally a headline that says, do zombie shows lead to mass shootings? Matt Bevin thinks so. And that's a Courier Journal headline. And I'm trying to I don't even remember. There's been so many, you know, antics that have happened. I don't even remember. The zombie thing was really fun because that was when the guy from The Walking Dead wrote an op-ed. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? This is uh, this is the Thomas guy. Yeah, um, he's from Cynthiana, uh, Kentucky, and he just like ripped Matt Bevin a new one in the Courier Journal, which doesn't matter to Matt Bevin because he doesn't care what happens in the Courier Journal. But it was I was like, dude, this guy got to run for governor in 2019. And he's like, oh, I live in California. It's like, I know. okay, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) we can move on. 
Um, it's it's going to be a fun one. Um, there are a lot of interesting things, and you know they start and they end right now with Matt Bevin deciding, and deadline is January twenty fourth. So we'll see. Twenty ninth, right? Yeah, twenty days. Yeah. So we will. I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll talk about this. Yeah, it's uh, something something to be on the lookout for for sure. You want me to just throw my weatherman rankings at you right now? Yes, Chris. Like, well, let's intro this. So, and I, and you know what? I don't know if this happens everywhere else. I don't live in other cities, obviously, but I do think that Louisville has a unique relationship with its weather people. I think you really, yeah, man. I don't know. It just I, I, no. I mean, uh, they do, but I'm just wondering. You think that's unique to Louisville? I think the. I think the lack of turnover is unique to Louisville. That's interesting. I think the people I, and I've asked people this before in a city, the size of Louisville, the fact that the, like literally like the top three guys or the three guys for each station, the one, the singular top guy on each station pretty much hasn't really changed much in the past 20 years or 15 years is, is astounding. I mean, like Harned's been there. I mean, what Belsky Belsky was there for forever yeah. at, at WLKY Harned's been Cardosi yeah, who's been there for Cardosi has been there for forever. So those guys haven't changed like for as long as I can remember. And I don't think for a city like Louisville, that's that, common because they'll get the call up to go somewhere else. Those, those big time guys. Right. So I, that's what I think is a little, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Obviously no, I, you could be right. You know, I, I've spent my entire life in mobile, but I, I've never really heard that opinion. So I just find it interesting. Okay. So I guess we should touch a little bit on the story that kind of, I don't know. Enough people are talking about the, I believe the guy's name, Jeremy Ramel or Ramel, who used to work. I found out about this yesterday. Yeah. So he used to work for, I think, WHAS. And now he works for Buffalo, like the CBS station in Buffalo. And he may or may not have said the word coon um, in relation to Martin Luther King. It sounds like it was an accident to me. I don't, I'm not here to litigate that, but this started a conversation between us about weather people and you revealed you had a weather person ranking. And I was like, we have to talk about that tonight. Yeah. There's no question. <laughs> it's, it's changed a few times over time. Honestly, um, Jay Cardosi used to be in the top three. He no longer is. He's just okay. not, doesn't really bring it. I think his RPI numbers are just not <laughs> where they need to be. Um, All right, okay. So we've got to start. I think how many you have, how many you rank? Well, I'm just going to do the three right now. Um, and we, we can, I can tell you, you know, about a little bit of missions, um, and why they're not there, but let's do Yeah. Honorable mentions. Then you go three, two, one. So we'll spawn that. honorable missions, like I spotted on, um, J car, J Cardosi, like I said, what's Jay say, man? What's, yeah. what's Jay say? <laughs> and honestly, I just think he rolled that way for too long. You got to keep it fresh. You got to keep new stuff coming if you want to be in the top three. <laughs> so like, I can't. I can't get down with that anymore. So he's no longer there. Like I, I will said. also admit I haven't been I like, I haven't been to WLKY for a while. I want right. to say that WLKY like five years ago had the best radar yeah, and, and now you, they don't. <laughs> what used to bring you there? It was Jay and he's just, he doesn't do it anymore. I don't know what happened. I don't know if he needs 25 and again. Maybe, I don't know. It's like, not Jay's fault. It's not Jay's fault, man. <laughs> Okay, so Jay Jay Carter is the honorable mention. Who else? Honorable mention. Um, uh, Robert Redfield, I think's his name. He. Oh, Jude Redfield. Jude Redfield. Yes. yes. So, so 
they really have him focused on snow for some reason. And I really don't understand why and he just doesn't seem like a full spectrum type. Of I, guy. I don't, I don't like this move. I, a I've met Jude a few times. Oh, okay. I used, he used to come to the bank that I worked at when I was at college. Real nice guy. He's also married to who Lauren Jones uh, at wave three. I do think that I, I find that that is one thing that makes me pause. Because Which I was like, is, Oh wow. That's like rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. Was, that's it, it, that was really interesting to me. That's spicy stuff right there. That's um, spicy stuff. But also he's the guy who does the green screen on Halloween. Oh, is he really? He's the skeleton guy or like he does the headless man or something like that. So I don't I, I'm not well, saying you might have to reevaluate. I, you might have to reevaluate. But but OK, any other any other honorable mentions? Um, I think that's good for now. We can roll right into the top three. So okay. number three is going to be an absolute shocker. It's out of left field. You may not know who this guy is, honestly, because he only works weekends. But Reed Yagen uh, is number three. He's just a solid. He is. He's the Paul Rogers of Louisville weather. That's what he is. He uh, I'm so glad we're talking about this. This is is (laughs) thrilling. I'm thrilled. He He does traffic. Um, he's, a, he's a utility man. Yeah, he is a utility man. You could throw him in there if he needs to anchor. He can anchor. He can do whatever. And his voice comforts me. Um, I'm not really sure why, but anytime I hear him, it improves my day. I, he's on WHS, right? Yes, WHS. Um, you know, he he really likes to talk about when they have what's the uh, the big race they have, the Ironman. For yeah. some reason or another, he talks about that two weeks leading up to it and two weeks after it, and I I kind of like that. So yeah, that's a read. He's number three. Um, Kevin Kevin Harnett, show number two. Um, okay. Just close to. He's actually close to Barstown, which is where I'm from. He's from um, a town just south of Barstown. It's also in Nelson County. And the guy is just good. He could be number one, but I think there's been some fiascos with him. Here's, and here's, uh, yeah, here's a here's a Kevin Harnett fun fact. I don't know if you know this one, Chris. He's a hell of an auctioneer. Is he? Yes, I've been to an auction at a bourbon distillery out just you know in Bardstown, and he was the auctioneer. And I was like, he was like, oh, I'm the MC. Like, oh wow, you know, Kevin Harnett, MC, that's cool. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm from the area. Like, okay, that's cool. And he's like, okay, we're start the auction. I'm like, all right, where's the auctioneer? It's gonna be a guy in a cowboy hat. And then dude just breaks out. Dude just breaks it down for us, and I was floored. And my wife is like, what's wrong? I'm like. Are you listening to this? He could this, do one of those like those viral videos, possibly of him just giving like a weather. He should do the weather that way. That's once a, a year for him. We should maybe slide into his DMs and slide you know, into, yeah, tell him we can get him on maybe Deadspin something like that. Maybe they'll pick up on it and we can one hundred percent. We can really improve his career. Um, and number one, it remains Mark Weinberg. It has been Mark Weinberg since he has stepped into this this area. <laughs> the he controversy. Owns, the controversy. He owns every forecast. You go to his Facebook and he's still wearing Ed Hardy in 2019. Oh, my Lord. I love a guy with that confidence. I've seen him out and about. The man's ripped. Can we talk about his attire, dude? He just brings it. <laughs> yeah. Affliction T-shirts, Ed Hardy. And he's wearing them in 2019. And I well, really it's coming back, it. Chris. It's they're coming back. So I mean, he's is, he's reached the point Ed where Hardy they're coming back. Co- yeah, he's Ed Hardy's it. coming around. It's coming back. 
I really just got to respect a man that has that much confidence to, to wear something like that in 2019. And honestly, every time he's on TV, he owns the forecast. He has given you multiple models. He has given you multiple forecasts to see. He's given you hour by hour reports. I just saw him before we did this podcast. And honestly, I think it improved the quality of this podcast, me seeing him before I came on. So, yeah. Also, the great thing, I, I don't, you know... It, I don't disagree. I, I, I have one person that you haven't mentioned I'll talk about. But also the thing about Mark is that he is like snow time, even though they've got Jude who does a lot of snow stuff. The Mark Weinberg snow tweet blast is just epic. Have you and watched he always, lives? I've watched like the 30 minute Facebook lives. Oh, oh, they're just they're glorious. They're glorious. And um, say what you will about the Hurricane Gate. And the the weather tourism um, bit, I, I I was sort of on the wave three side of that. I'll, I'll say it. I'll say it. Yeah. You know, I was kind of like, okay, maybe that. You know, maybe we didn't need to send the whole squad down to the hurricane. Um, <laughs> but I still love Mark. You know, I know that's that's what Mark does. Mark's like Mark's. You know, he's a hundred percent in everything he does. There, and, there's actually uh, a guy. And I've seen it a few times. You should follow Chris Bailey, who is a weatherman in Lexington. And there'll be it happens whenever there's a big snow predictions because, okay. you know, these guys are putting up weather maps that show outrageous totals. And usually, like, you know, if you love snow, you only kind of concentrate on that top number, whether it's like 10 inches, you know, five inches or whatever. But there are subtweets between Mark Weinberg and Chris Bailey very often. <laughs> and it's like some of these guys just put these maps on Twitter to go viral. That's not what I'm about. <laughs> And right. I just, I love it. All right, Chris, I've got a suggestion. We're talking about this right now. I've got a suggestion. I just, I've not said this to you before. We need to come up with a point system. We need to play fantasy. Yeah. Fantasy Louisville weather guys. We could throw Chris Bailey in there, but we need to come up with a point system based on these, on these totals and these maps. Like, okay, who was closest? And then at the end of the, at the end of the snow season, we rank them. Like, oh, who had the best 2019 snow season? <laughs> totally with that. We can take, uh, you know, recommendations from you guys listening and we'll get in the Google, the Google Docs. And we'll do it, man. Uh, yeah. We'll do it. A hundred percent. The one guy you did mention that I'm obligated to mention because he's my boy. DuPont class of 2009. That's Ryan Hoke on Very wave strong. three. He's yep. my guy, um, Ryan. If you if you don't watch Ryan, you aren't aware of Ryan. Ryan has literally been doing this since he was a freshman in high school, doing this and like being a legit meteorologist. He ran his own blog, RyanWeather.com. He did like five to ten minute YouTube videos every single day, That's like every fun. single week, and he would do multiple when there was like snow things happening. It was incredible. And the dude is I hope he's here for a very long time because he's like, I think he's learning. He's under Kevin Harned's wing over there at Wave Three. Place to be. Brian Good, also real good. I want to shout out Brian yeah. Good. I, I I'm I'm a wave three guy. I'm kind uh, of just saying you, you can keep Brian Good, but <laughs> I'm not taking shots. I'm just saying, like, listen, it's okay. It's all right. There has to, there can on, only be one. You can put him on weekends. I'll keep my eye out for Ryan Hoke. We're always looking for new talent. Um, so yeah, that was amazing. I just I'm want glad to say. We did that. I'm glad we did that. Oh man, we'll do. Uh, yeah, just wait till we get to sports anchors, right? We're gonna do sports anchors. Oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> talk oh, about. 
Bozik's laugh in every press conference, how it's the loudest laugh, you know. Every... See, you know more about that than I do. I never I never did oh, the press no, box no. thing, man. Just here's my promise to the to the squad. I'm never gonna do the press box. I'm never gonna do the presser afterward. I'm never doing it. I just don't want to be that guy. That's just next, me. Next hire that Louisville makes, um, whether it's I guess it'll be a running back coach now at this point. But when they have that press conference Listen to the first question and the first any slight joke that's made, you will hear Bozik laugh the loudest and he will get that initial impression in. You will know he's in that room and that coach will know he's in that room. And that's that eye contact. And that's that's a connection. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. All right, Chris, what's next up? Uh, do you want to talk about this, uh, Bannon logo? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, okay. So I guess this is me. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe some of our listeners follow this account. It is called, uh, abandoned Louisville. And I think it's abandoned five at abandoned five or no, excuse me, excuse me. It's destroyed Louisville and like it's, that. it's at destroyed five Oh two. And it's pretty new. They just started in December. It seems like it's a person who recently discovered a photo collection in the university of Louisville archives and found, I guess like the archive specifically had um, where the pictures were taken. Uh, a guy by the name of Martin F. Schmidt, uh, who took a lot of pictures between 1956 and 1966. So he, this account, I'm not sure who runs it, doesn't say who the person is. And they are comparing the exact address of so for example this most recent tweet earlier today says 301 south 4th street it's the exact picture of the address and it's like this shirt shop it's a sportwear national shirt shops and then what it is now and it's the louisville visitor center it's really crazy stuff. it's crazy stuff but why i'm like so interested in why i told you about it chris it's just like it really shows what i'm sure a lot of us young people have heard from our parents and grandparents about louisville well not mine but just from older people about Louisville and all of the old things that were there. And the number one thing you'll find right away is all of these beautiful buildings and they're not there anymore. And in their place is a surface lot or a parking garage, a lot of parking garages. The guy literally joked or the girl joked earlier today. It's like, wow, there's a hundred more of you than there were yesterday. Hope you all like parking lots because that's all that Louisville is downtown which is crazy and sad. It's super sad to me. And I don't know, like I just kind of wanted to put this out there because I think when we think about what Louisville is and what it could be and what we want it to be. And I just think about these old buildings and I think about what they would be like if they were there in 2019 and the apartment complexes that would have redone them and refurbished them and the shops and restaurants that'd be in the first floor and how dope, like how just dope it would be. And this is a problem across the country. I you know, definitely not a Louisville only problem. But when you think about the places that are stra- like are are really making strides. A lot of them have these old type of things. You know, if you want it, you know, we talked a little bit about Nulu and stuff like that. It's like, if you want, um, you know, there's more opportunity for those buildings to, when we have those older buildings, more opportunities for people of all different backgrounds and socioeconomic statuses, not to get all sociology on you, uh, a lot more opportunities for people to benefit from the advancement and stuff when you, when yeah. you have a lot more of those buildings. 
I think what kind of strikes me about some of these photos is how like all different unique they are and like, you know, colorful and whatnot. I think what's important when, when Louisville kind of attacks something like this is like you said, is that employing these people that live in these communities to kind of bring it up and give it that type of character. If you want to do something like that. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see where Greg Fisher really kind of tries to go after what part of town he wants to go in in his last, you know, term in the mayor's office because he can really do whatever the hell he wants, for lack of a better term, because he's not posturing for any votes. Um, this will be his final term regardless. So I think that's one thing that really sticks out to me. And a, a common one with me has always been the Louisville Gardens. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a story it's been years now for a, uh, I can't even remember the blog. I think we've both written for a share, but um, it's very, very sad to see a place like that in such a perfect spot in the corner of Fourth street Live, steep in so much history, you know, Muhammad Ali. So much there. history, man. Elvis Presley performed there. Martin Luther King spoke there and it's just unused. They've had, I, I think the last approach when I worked on that story, the last approach to uh, Greg Fisher had been to put an apartment complex there and put shops below it. And that was just something that didn't uh, didn't meet the standards of what the city wanted for it. So the city owns it. And that I think that starts with, you know, my sadness and it goes from there. Um, all these buildings. But that's one that definitely sticks out to me. Yeah, I have a, I have a conversation about. Louisville Gardens at least once a month, if not right. more, uh, just because of everything you just said. And I remember, I actually remember the final time they held the LIT there, the Louisville Invitational Basketball yeah. Tournament. And Manuel actually won that year, I remember. And they said afterward, oh, this is going to be the last time we have it here. And I was like, wow, like this, this has been here for literally like 60 years and they're just going to stop. And it's the uh, there's been a ton of stories and you wrote one and I know the courier's been in there. Leo's been in there. Insider Louisville's been in there taking pictures of just I think there's a bunch of school desks now. Yeah, and it's, it's almost, dilapidated. It almost needs to be torn down at this point. It's, it's so almost like one of those topics that's like it's kind of ran its course so many times in Louisville. Like, will Louisville get an NBA team? It's one of those things that's been said so much, but it, it doesn't. It's worth pausing every once in a while and just realizing like how much of a disappointment that is and how much of a letdown because it's it's kind of a you know prime example for what goes on throughout the city um the south end of global obviously the west end of global but all these abandoned places that you know they they're left abandoned and often they they kind of breed crime in those abandoned areas and yeah. that's that's just sad to see and I mean, to be fair, the city has done a good amount of things. There's that program where you can buy a vacant lot, stuff like that, and and beautify it. They've done some of those things and they're making it easier. It just it's one of those frustrating things. And it's one of those questions, one of those questions that no one it's not that no one has an answer to it, as I think people don't see the value in finding a real answer and solution to some of the problems. Mm -hmm. They think, I think a lot of people with a lot of money sometimes uh, would rather put their money elsewhere when I think that those goods are like real social common goods that can help a ton of people um, and a, really be something the city is proud of. And I think, you know, not even just, I'm not even just interested in what Greg Fisher does, but also really interested in whoever's next does. 
Because yeah. I think whoever's next has to come up with something um, for that problem and similar problems, because I think a lot of people our age, Chris, really care about these types of things. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the whole Ninth Street divide. And I mean, you know about that. If you don't, you'll have to research it because there's a lot of discussion that we could go into about that. Yeah, that's another um, hour. For our yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's a whole nother thing. But is there any like particular project that you think that Louisville should really gun to, you know, kind of accomplish over the next next four years? Anything that you really think that they that's feasible? Um, I mean, it is kind of happening right now, but I do think the connection, the third part of Waterfront Park that it will happen in 9th Street and a little farther west is really important to me and okay. is really is really important, I think, to connecting the two sides of the city. And, um, you know, that's something that's something that's always been a problem and we don't talk about a whole lot. I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember there was like a Leo uh, cover story maybe like two summers ago or something and it was like oh all the cool things you can do in louisville and it was a map of louisville but the map basically ended at 9th street yeah. like it didn't go that far west and i had a friend retweet it and said do they just not think anything matters west of louisville sounds and, about why <laughs> and you know. if and I think if you want this city to grow, like Chris and I want the city to grow and, and thrive, something you have to address those things. And I hope it's our generation. I hope it's younger people. And I hope the next person who wants to lead this city is really interested in it. So, yeah, the Ninth Street Divide and um, Waterfront Park extending out that way. That's, you know, I, I have a kid. I want my kid to be able to play over there. And I want, I want that to, I want to be able to unite those areas. Um, and, and I think that'd be a really symbolic and really cool way to unite both parts of the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only, the one that I've had in mind for a little while now is a pretty small project, but I think Louisville could do a decent job going through some of the basketball courts in the local parks and kind of revamping them yeah. because you talk about a city with such a big tradition, you know, not just Louisville basketball, there's the dirt bow, oh, yeah. a lot of other things. And you had, I think you had Bryson Tiller. Bryson Tiller did the, those. Yeah. The one at the, the Wyandotte park. And I think seeing that throughout the city um, would be a small, pretty affordable project that, that could get done. And I think that would be something that would, you know, it means a lot to a basketball court means a lot to a community, um, especially in a place like Louisville. Iroquois Park, uh, that I mean, I played basketball there as a kid um, and that those those courts, they mean a lot to people. And I think going through those and kind of revamping them um, would be a cool little project. So, yeah. And that's like something, you know. I, I read an interesting, this is like sort of a feel, but I read an interesting article about the Clippers in LA doing something like this. Yeah. So like they were like revitalizing all of the, all of the really bad, um, just the really bad courts, the courts that were in disrepair and a lot of the poor communities in LA and their thought process behind that was, um, that's what, you know, if people see LA Clippers on this court that they're going to play on every day, they might be an LA Clippers fan, not right. LA Lakers fan. Yeah. And I so I think, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think that could even be a project, you know, that the Louisville Athletic Department. I was is, literally yeah. going to say the exact same thing. There, I was, you know, I, I think if you want, um, you know, I think that's a great it, idea. It, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's it's just a crazy idea. But I think, you know, when you talk about the identity of of basketball in this city, and I think you're even seeing it. Louisville City's doing it. They have a few courts that they've put money into. 
um, for soccer. And those are the types of projects and, you know, uplifting areas in unique and different ways that have a small impact, but have a big one. It's like a small spread impact on a lot of people. Yeah. And I mean, there's always, if you want to look at it from just like a recruiting angle, which would, it would be like one in a million, but there's always, yeah. you, you know, you never know. Um, you never Mobile know. has, Mobile has their own financial hurdles to get through right now, but that's something that you could probably do for, I'm not a, uh, a good numbers guy with something like this, <laughs> but I imagine that's something that you could do in the million dollar range. Oh um, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I think Tiller said, I think Tiller maybe spent like 10, 15,000. Yeah. I think he so, said, so you could, you could do all the parks probably in Louisville for, you know, a million dollars, easy dollars. Um, and that that's chump change too. When we hit the lottery, man, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So that, we went a real far, but I, I think it, it was a good combo. Louisville yeah. abandoned sometimes and we want to fix it. You want to <laughs> close out with just these, these, uh, quick, uh, hitters thing. Yeah. 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 You explain what you, what you, what, what you want to do. Yeah, I kind of just want to do this maybe sometimes with like Louisville basketball or Louisville football or Louisville athletics. And it's just what does Louisville need more? So I took two things and just try to compare them um, and, you know, have like a quick discussion about what you think would be more effective and more real in Louisville and what would work better. So I think I can just fill these things out there and we can you know, have Go a discussion. Ahead. So um, the first one that I have down here is an enhanced public transit system or a MLS team. What does Louisville need more? This is my head versus my heart here. This yep. is my head versus my heart. Because uh, I'm from New York, as some people know, and I that's always my favorite part about New York is you can get anywhere fairly easy with public transportation. You know. Kind of why I asked this question. Uh, oh, okay. There you go. So I think I, but I love soccer. And, you know, I love, I'm not a little city season ticket holder. But I, you know, if they go to MLS, I plan on being a season ticket or plan on being more involved in the next few years, um, especially once the stadium's built. I think I'd have to go enhance public transit system because I just think I think the one thing I always tell people like about public transit and when I talked, you know, joking about people and not understanding how things work in this city. When you talk to somebody who's never been on the tarp before and you say, why don't we take the tarp? They're just like. <laughs> flabbergasted they're like this is a terrible idea it's not a good plan it's going to be dirty i'm like yeah but it's all it's it's not dirty and it's only going to be a dollar fifty and we don't have to spend a whole lot of money and the four street bus comes every 10 minutes so yeah. it'll probably be quicker um but a public transit system just kind of creates a sense of community among people that nothing else can create in a unique way and it, you know letting people get to places quickly is just something that helps cities grow and yeah. we gosh i mean people complain about traffic enough in the city especially when there's you know kind of impending weather so goodness knows it'd be a great idea for traffic so yeah. that's where i probably have to go yeah, and I, I wonder if Louisville as a community, you know, forget all the infrastructure conversation because that's not really something I don't think we can have too much of an intelligent conversation about because there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of different hurdles to get through there. But I think Louisville as a community getting behind a public transit system is a whole interesting discussion. I don't know that Louisville citizens would really be into it. I agree with you. Um, I, I think on the next question, we'll disagree, but I agree with you. I would take the, uh, enhanced public transit system. Um, but I don't, I do have questions whether Louisville as a community, the citizens could actually get behind using it. 
I don't even necessarily think it's a question. I think it's a guaranteed no. I don't think people would. And I, I remember my mom would always tell me is like, you know, when I was in I was in high school and I took the tarp all the time. I was I and then I got a car and I totaled it. So I took the tarp for like <laughs> another for like another two or three years um to get to work when I went to UVL. So it's very, 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 you know, not I mean, near and dear to my heart for lack of a better you know, phrase. But my mom would always tell me, oh, they should just make all this, all the kids in public schools take the tarp and just like make the tarp bigger. And then they would save so much money. Right. People would riot in the streets. People would come to City Hall with flame in hand with, um, you know, torches and pitchforks and they would be livid. It would never happen, but it would solve so many problems. And I guarantee you at the end of the day, because they would have to create a bigger network of targs and it would help people get around in general, it would save the city money and help the city in the long run. Yeah. I mean, on its surface, having this conversation is really hilarious because we had, you know, a six month discussion about a top golf (laughs) and it's something I still wish we were, you know, doing this thing for because that would have been tremendous but we're not going to rehash <laughs> um but yeah i mean that's that right there but we can move on um, okay so Go ahead. the next the next question i have is would you rather have an ikea or an rei now gabe as a new father <laughs> and fairly new newly married person i think i know your homeowner yes and homeowner as well i think i know your answer to this but i'm interested to hear well let me preface this by saying that ikea doesn't really do they're not building new stores anymore okay they said that they they are trying to be a little more e-commerce friendly um so they're gonna be amazon they want to be more amazonian and also they've really invested in uh the ar technology uh, a whole lot, which is really interesting. We could talk about that for a while. I actually watched like a three hour documentary on, on, uh, Ikea on my way back from Denmark when, uh, when I was there for work, which is really funny, but nice. I would still say, Ikea. <laughs> and I just think that's I the most wash moment of it's you, the most 27. <laughs> I am 27. 27. It's the most wash moment of my life so far. It's just, man, it's, It's a beautiful place. It is. And I can't tell you how many times I've been to Target and I'm like, I need to buy like an end table. And I'm just like, this is all trash. I just wish there was Ikea. I need an Ikea. And I could pay $35 for an end table at Ikea and feel real good about it. (laughs) So I know you're going to say REI. Yeah, and I don't really have to have a discussion about it. I mean, I love the outdoors. I think Quest Outdoors is a great company. I think they need a competitor because their prices are a little... uh, (laughs) A little little too pricey. Yeah, yeah, a little too pricey. And I think REI is the (laughs) IKEA version of someone who loves the outdoors. Um, So, yeah, it's pretty simple. Pretty Yeah, and the program, the co-op program is fantastic. I, you know, REI, I would have no problem if they announced tomorrow uh, that they were opening. It would be awesome. And I, I've actually heard some rumors through the the uh, just the grapevine, and it's hard to say if they're substantial or not. But the, the tumbleweed location on the river, yeah. I heard I heard someone say that there was an inquiry. Yeah, I heard someone say that there was somebody. And that's a hell of a spot. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it could happen. I think there's not, a, they, they would have to make a bigger store and they, you can't, you would, I don't think the city would be cool with, with expanding, you know, taking up a lot more of that park with, you know, c- concrete, but 
No, I've heard that. I heard that rumor. I heard that yeah. rumor. I think that, and we're talking about the, the if you're not familiar, the tumbleweed on the Ohio River. It's a formerly the right uh, Doc's Cantina, right? It was yeah. called Doc's Cantina. Yeah. What something a, should, a, something needs to go there. I mean, it's a, it just spent 15 minutes uh, talking about vacant buildings. I know. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. So the last one and probably the best conversation for is going to be, you know, reverberate through probably Kentucky for a little while. And that's expanded gaming or medical marijuana legalization, which would be more successful, which would be better for the state of Kentucky, which would be better for the city of Louisville. I think there are two answers here. The personal answer, the, per, the I mean, like in terms of thinking about people, uh, the it's it's medical marijuana. Just, uh, you know, you say what you will about, you know, um, helping with pain and things like that. But like it's proven to have an effect, especially with people who have seizures. Um, I have a not a friend, but a friend of a friend who has really, uh, really put a lot behind the medical marijuana conversation in Kentucky because he has a daughter who has a very rare disease and um, that puts her in the hospital once, twice a month because of seizures. And it's something that they know people in other states that have it legalized um, that have been able to manage the disease much easier. So it's like guaranteed to make people people's lives better. You know, you can talk about how many people that's fine. We can argue about that. But the fact remains that there's a medicine out there that can help people. So if you're talking personally, it has to be that just because it helps people. Um, if you're talking Louisville, I think expanded gaming is it's not even close. Yeah. Um, and, and I think um, if you're talking about the horse racing industry, it's expanded gaming. I think we're at a point and I don't not enough people, I don't think, understand just how important expanded gaming and sports betting is for the future of horse racing. I know people, how important sports betting is. People don't really get like when you're comparing the purses for winners in Kentucky to other states that have expanded gaming, how different it is. Even in Kentucky, you compare the purses at Churchill Downs to the purses at Kentucky Downs, which, Chris, I don't know if you've ever been. I haven't yeah, and that's- been. I've driven past it. It legitimately is just a big house and they literally are offering way more money on random weekend than anyone else in the state. And they were able to give the state a whole bunch more money um, just because they're running those fake slot machines. I don't think people really understand how much Churchill Downs is hurting too in yeah. some aspects. Because outside of, you know, obviously the obvious weekends, Oaks, Breeders' Cups when it's there and some other notable races, just like uh, the regular meet, the purses, the odds, and just the from a gambling perspective, the, the better opportunities are always at Keeneland. There, there's, better, there's better races to bet on. At, yep. On its surface, there's always better races. So I think that's something that would bring more money and yeah. open up that purse range for Churchill Downs to, you know, make more attractive races. So I think for me, it is expanding gaming because as a state right now, we are hurting so much for. Of course, I, we don't have to tell you how much the state of Kentucky needs money. I mean, it's clearly obvious. And I think that generates more immediate revenue. I think the medical marijuana thing would take a little bit for the people of Kentucky to warm up to. And I don't know how successful it would be. I think expanded gaming would be successful immediately. I am a strong advocate of medical marijuana. I'm a strong advocate of legalization of marijuana, period. But 
I, I think the expanded gaming would would be something that would solve a lot of what ills Kentucky right now. No, I think I, those are all valid points, and I agree. And and all of them, you know, definitely would take both if if offered the opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's 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 going to be interesting. I mean, we should, you know, to kind of circle back to what we talked to at the beginning outside of sports, Edelin said he's a hundred percent on board with medical. And, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think Atkins has, has weighed in either way, but that's a question that's, that's going to be of interest for sure. I think it's, I think it's one of those things that's, you know, it's kind of five year project. Maybe I think the expanded gaming thing is right now. Yeah. And I've, I've, I don't recall if I mentioned it here, but it's like, I have a friend who showed me the, you know, he had the plans on his phone of that, you know, Churchill Downs off track betting thing or whatever that has fake yeah. slots. There's a room in there that on the plan says sports book. It yeah. says sports book and they've got slots in there now and it's a bar, but there's a bunch of TVs there and they know the minute that the law is passed, they're going to remove those machines and they're going to put couches in right. and it's going to be the sports book because yeah. that's what they want it to be. So, you know, it's a matter of time on that front. I really think so. I don't know if it'll happen this session, but uh, it's, it's definitely a matter of time. I, I imagine whoever's next in office is going to, is going to be cool with it. And, you know, assuming it's not Bevan. Covered a lot of ground there. We covered a lot of ground today, Chris. I think it was a, a great fun time. A little, a little longer than we normally do. I think it was worth it. Um, but any last words, any last uh, thoughts? No, I mean, uh, we can harken back to Lola for just a second. I, I just think uh, that we can't really, I don't want to go full panic mode, but I don't think you can overstress how much that, uh, that one is going to yeah. hurt Lola. I think if, you know, I, I joke a lot about DEFCON, DEFCON one through five. One is the worst, by the way. I don't know if people realize that one <laughs> is the worst. I've had to explain that to people in the past. Five is the best. Five is fun. Uh, I think we are at DEFCON three before, and I think we're at DEFCON two now. It's not quite DEFCON one. It's not quite run your pants around, but uh, it's on high alert. It's yep. on high alert I mean, for it, sure. You go to North Carolina or NC State, you can completely erase it. Yeah. No, no, I it's we'll figure it out. You know, we'll see. We'll we'll enjoy talking about it. That's for sure. And with that, I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode. If you got through this, appreciate it. Tell your friends, man. You know, we uh, we are trying to hit a, a goal. We'll keep it, you know, sort of to us, a, a subscribe goal. We've been impressed, really, honestly. We've been impressed with how many people have subscribed already. But um, we already had a few people send some suggestions. Please keep doing that. You follow Chris underscore Chris Hatfield on Twitter. You can follow me at Gabe Diverge on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram at what high school uh, Instagram.com slash what high school. Uh, we are posting a lot of cool content on there. Chris did a pregame for the, the Miami game, which was cool. We'll try and do that more often with these away games. I think it'll be a little easier. So yeah. we'll do that more often. We'll put, we're posting content on there. I posted the the court video that got some traction on Twitter. It's fun. Um, so yeah, follow us there. Uh, thanks again for listening into another episode. Appreciate uh, having you, Chris. As always. All right, guys, take care. We'll see you next time.